No, no. What I want to talk about is the fact that I feed my witcher apple juice and he gets healthy again. (laughs) I just... Apple juice. (laughs) It's good on my tongue. (laughs) In the midst of a battle. This makes babies strong. Mmm, <laughs> treetop. Give, give, give Carol his sippy cup, and he just kind of, <laughs> just kind of goes to town, and then kills some more demies. One hundred percent juice. Let me tell you about my family. <laughs> I sell propane and propane accessories. Hey, welcome back to Saturday Morning Tuesdays, and we're, uh, we're, you know, we're normally doing pretty standard stuff. It's that animated podcast about real cartoons, but today this is a different sort of version of our show. It's called SMT Movies, and I'm Andy. And I'm Rory. And I'm Santa? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm Austin. Oh, God, I but was I really worried. But I could have been Santa. Uh, anybody could be Santa. Ooh, that's the, that, is that what we learned? No, I actually don't think that was the theme, but uh, that's a great segue into the movie that we watched. We watched a movie, you guys. Yeah. Whoa, no. Movies. Is it like, okay, so I know when Scooby-Doo, back in the in those Scooby-Doo days, when they would do like an hour-long episode and they had like Mama Cass on, they'd call it, or maybe it was only 30 minutes, but they'd call it Scooby-Doo movies. And even as a kid, I was like, that's bullshit. This isn't a movie. This is just a long Scooby-Doo. This is a long dog. You've just lied to me, Scooby. Well- this is a for real movie. We we've yeah. done we've done a for real deal movie. It is a Netflix movie, so it's kind of you know. As Scorsese would tell you it's not a real movie. Spielberg would tell you this ain't a real movie. Is what I meant to say. Because on Netflix, yeah, Spielberg thinks that streaming is bullshit, and that's I fine. Think but that... Scorsese just doesn't like those crappy ones. Those little stinkers. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Scorsese Which doesn't I'm a... like Marvel movies. Uh, Which I'm on the a... same. That's that's my um, that's my I'm on the same page as Doctor Martin. <laughs> Dr. Martin. <laughs> he makes good shoes and he makes good points about Marvel movies. <laughs> uh, but no, we watched a movie. We watched a Netflix movie. It's a streaming movie. It's their very first feature-length animated film. And it's called Klaus. And it's pretty dope. I don't know. I haven't talked to you guys about this yet. This is all This is all fresh. I like this yeah. movie. I, I love this movie. I had a really good time with it. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I should say, I guess at the front, before we dive into discussion about this, is that uh, we recommend that you watch this movie, uh, and we are going to spoil it. Oh yeah, we're, we're going to say everything that happens in it. It's a good movie, and we're going to be talking about it. So yeah, this is new. Yeah. This is new modern content, which is something that we don't normally talk about. You know, because when we dive into Silverhawks, it's like you spoiled Silverhawks episode two for me. It's like we don't care about you. You right. go home, watch that on YouTube if you really care. But like this, this I feel, I feel this. Yeah, yeah but uh, it was something we wanted to do. You know, because interesting new animation doesn't come along that often, especially out of places that aren't, you know, Pixar, Disney, any of like these like huge. Yeah, they you know, really these don't. Huge companies or these huge franchises. Yeah, it's and I guess Netflix kind of has the space to maybe I don't know if Netflix counts as a brand or a franchise or, in, you know, whatever. But uh, I glad I, I glad I glad I glad I'm glad it got made. And I I, I think. A Christmas movie is, a, is a, certainly a safe way to make sure, you know, it kind of pads the numbers a little bit because people love yeah. to go to see movies on Christmas about Christmas. Yeah, but you make the I money back it. even if it's like, you know, you you have an untested brand, right? Like You know, I normally 
I would normally kind of poo-poo making movies for money, but animation is just so ex- so exorbitantly expensive. Yeah, and I think if you are uh, Sergio Pablos, who is the uh, the the guy who made this movie, it's Sergio Pablos an- Animation, and he's worked for Disney and he's worked for various other places, but he's never like run things the way he's doing now. I think if you are this man and you want to start a company that does full length animated films, I don't think starting with a holiday movie is a bad idea. You do it with something that draws out crowds. Yeah, totally. You got to make some money first. Yeah. I mean, a holiday movie is there's something when we're all like sitting around and cold and your families flew into town from Minnesota or whatever, and you're sitting around, nobody wants to watch a DVD copy of Jack with Robin Williams. They want to watch (laughs) Jack Frost. They want to watch. They want to watch a Christmas movie. You want to watch a yes. movie that has snow in it when it's snowing outside, or it's not snowing outside, but you wish it I was. I want the TV to look like the outside. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I want to believe it's a window. And there's there's something that something <laughs> magical about uh, you know watching a Christmas movie when it's that time. It's just part of that whole sort of tradition of you know you put the decorations up you play the music you put on the movie it's just kind of part of the the deal and yeah. legit as a i mean i've i'm 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 a bit of a crank a little cranky pot christmas uh, with a cranks christmas with a cranks <laughs> i'd call you a grinch i'd call me you a little bit of a grinch i try not to poop on people's things but christmas doesn't normally jingle my bells too hard um yank that cranked good, this strikes a pretty good balance of being like not up your asshole about being a Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. It's kind of not, the first 25 minutes are definitely not a Christmas movie. I don't think Christmas oh, is yeah. mentioned for the first 25 minutes, but we'll, we'll we'll get into that soon. But yeah, it's a really interesting take on the vibe. Yeah. It gets the vibe right. That's what I liked. Yeah. I'm on the same uh-huh. page. It's a Christmas movie without telling you, hey, look at Christmas. I mean, it does a little, it does get there, but yeah, it's just a little more, it just treats you a little bit more like an adult. It builds to it and it's earned it by the time it gets there. Yeah. So if I knew nothing about the animation style, can somebody sell me what's, what's, what's going on here with this cool animation style? Okay. So what I would say about the animation is that I loved the most, and this is backed up a little bit by like some comments I've read from the director, but like. You know how normally in in modern animated stuff or even like classic uh, Disney stuff, the background artists are different people than the people doing the character art. First and foremost, they're totally different teams. And the background art is like a 10 in detail and the character models are like a six or a five in detail and they never quite look like they mesh. And it's always obvious like, oh, he's going to pick up that teacup because it's the one that's less detailed. I think this is a fascinating Uh, art style because they have found a way to make it always look like the characters and the backgrounds belong in the same like flat image Mm. like it's still obviously Mm -hmm. like 2d animated and a flat image but like everything moves it's it's as if the background it's as if the characters are just animated into the same panels as the background and like it's perfect i'm yeah i'm amazed by how they do this and it's partially due to like modern lighting techniques yeah like some 3d lighting processing yeah that's a really cool idea. I guess it's the first feature-length animated film to use 3D lighting techniques on a 2D 2D animation. And it yeah. looks awesome. It's a great way to show you how to use modern animation, like computer CGI stuff, without using it kind of in a way that is obscene or over the top. It's it, they're just lighting. It's yep. Lighting is important, but they didn't... I don't know exactly the point I'm trying to make. It, it, 
I like that they use a good tool without overly relying on all of the tools that you could use. Yeah. Yeah. People don't make 2D animated movies anymore in America or for a wide release audience. No. Um, it is, it's just not, it's not a thing. Um, I have, I know we need to get into discussing this, this, this movie, but I have a, a little quote that I found uh, from an interview that he did with Polygon. Um, he said uh, that 2D is alive and well in Europe and in Japan and there's fantastic movies coming out and we need those and we need those independent creator driven products, but there hasn't been a Western high end broad appeal 2D feature in a long time. And I love those. We need to have what them. is it to be fair. I disagree with the opinion that it's alive and well in Europe. There's like one other, there's like one other major filmmaker that does animation over there. Whoever does the, you know, the, the, like the Secret Sisters of, of the Trippets of Bavel, yeah, and the Secret of the Kells. Yeah. There's a couple movies that does not make it a, a thriving sort of like medium the way that Japan and Korea do. Totally. And sort of his, his last sentence was like, so how do you bring high end 2D back to the front lines, essentially? And sure. I think that's a cool question, and I think yeah. that this was a really successful job. Uh, yeah. I, I don't think this looks dated in the slightest. No. No. Cool as shit. Should we, should we dive right in? Let's dive right in. Let's sleigh ride right in. Let's jingle bell. Let's jingle bell. So the high level of this movie is a movie you are pretty familiar with. You've got a crappy rich guy kind of learning how to not be so crappy and so rich through the lens of this sort of semi-militaristic, uh, <laughs> semi kind of like semi um, romanticized version of the post office, like the importance mm -hmm. of, of letter mail. Yeah, it's fun. And 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 then he, you know. He goes to a small town. He meets a girl. He meets a cranky guy. It, it, it's if you want to if you look at it from top down, it's I got a very uh, the the movie that came immediately to mind to me was Emperor's New Groove. Same mm. sort of. Yeah, the obvious the dynamic of the two mains is very much the same. There is a there is a version of this movie that is made, you know, 15, 20 years ago that casts David Spade as the postman and John Goodman uh -huh. as Big Klaus. And yeah. it is exactly yeah. the same movie. Yeah. yeah. Right. Totally. I mean, because it's Jason Schwartzman and J.K. Simmons in this movie, but like it's the same. It would change nothing. Same archetypes. Yeah, yeah the same archetypes. They're written, they're written the same way, like the way that he jokes around or is like sassily rich, like, you know, snotty rich boys, exactly like Cusco is in that movie. Like, I definitely fully agree with you. I got strong Emperor's New Group vibes. The self-serving primary objective that that changes by the end, you know, that sort mm -hmm. of like comes true but you don't want it to sort of sort of thing yeah absolutely i thought it might have been a little bit intentional in that emperor's new groove might have been the last western movie that was a little bit like not based on ip uh or a or a um a franchise yeah. not the last western movie but that might be a that might be a stretch but that they didn't do sequels of mm -hmm. just kind of was a movie yeah i mean i don't want to break your bust your bubble but they did do a tv show called the emperor's new school Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing sacred in Disney's House of Horror. But yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a fun dynamic, and it's a it's just a fun movie. Um, 
I mean, basically what we're dealing with here is that it's a superhero origin story for Santa Claus, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we love those origin stories so much, apparently. Uh, we do them all the time. And this is this is like uh, my my one sentence pitch for this movie would be like it's it's a it's a movie that shows you all the like mundane happenstances that caused all of the like mythos around Santa Claus. You know, yeah, that's one of the coolest parts of the movie. Yeah. Like it turns out everything we know about Santa Claus is sort of like sort of telephoned through child rumors. Yeah, th- there were times I found it quite forced, but for the most part, it was a really really cool idea that the sort of like negative space around Santa Claus is how we've built up the myth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. That, that, that nothing about Santa as, or as Klaus is presented in the movie is Santa in its full form. You know, everything is sort of built. Everything yeah. is built up from the ground up, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, like a, like a good, a good example to jump ahead a little bit, like a, a good example of this would be, yeah, they've got a, a sleigh, essentially, that's run by reindeer, but they don't fly, except in a crazy sequence, you know, there's like a big ambush. There's like a lot of like crazy stuff flying around and they end up launched up in the air and some kid sees it out their window and goes, oh, my God. And of course, like, that's how this rumor about magical reindeer starts. And like every little tiny thing about Santa Claus is sort of like has a genesis in a moment like that throughout this movie. And it's fun because like. When you stop and actually think about the Santa mythos, none of it does sort of have a a solid logical through line. It is kind of just a bunch of weird, arbitrary things <laughs> that have been tacked on culturally. And so, yeah. you know, it is, you know, it makes sense that they were just as nonsensical in its, quote, origin. So let's uh, let's start from the beginning here. Yeah. We just get a really minor amount of narration talking about kind of the the origin of of letters to Santa. Uh, But we don't get a ton of backstory. We don't really have a ton of Christmas mentions, a ton of like, it's going to begin in the town of whatever. And here's the story of how Santa would become Santa. And it's like, you're kind of just dropped into the middle of something that you don't know about. I think I think it has a bit of confidence up front where it's like, you know, you're coming into this because you probably know it's a Christmas movie. Just like, let us get there. <laughs> like, we'll get there. Right. Because right. it starts at this like crazy boot camp for postmen. And yeah, uh, yeah the Royal this, Postal Academy. <laughs> <laughs> this rich kid uh, whose name is, we got to say it, it's Jesper or Jesper Johansson. He goes by Jesper. Uh, but at some point his dad says Jesper. I don't really know what's going on. I think there's there's some questions there but his name is jesper and he's a rich kid his dad's the postmaster general and his dad tried to get him to like you know just calm down and stop being such a piece of shit rich white boy and he's uh he's failing at that and he's the worst student the academy's ever had and uh, because he does nothing he, la- he lounges around no, he doesn't and, care you know, he doesn't want to no. do it he doesn't putting it putting any effort in uh he likes to sip you know cocktails or whatever and and have Which a butler i found a little disappointing for the movie just because he does have a pretty typical hero arc, a pretty like rich, rich guy learns the value of a dollar and hard mm-hmm. work and, and a woman's love. It's like uh, the fact that it's so it, it's allowed to be that archetypal, but the fact that his dad was like, I don't like how you are the way that heroes are at the beginning of the story. <laughs> now go out and be learn learn the value of a dollar and a woman's love. <laughs> you know, you know, I but I but I did appreciate that the dad wasn't actually a villain. 
I, I no, enjoyed the fact that he's not, he, you know, he's not actually a hard ass. He's just like, my son fucking sucks. Yeah. And so, you know, like, and so it's kind of, it's nicely consolidating the amount of villains in the story because he's not, you know, he's a force that he's a force to be reckoned with. He is, he's a hard ass, but he, the boy so clearly sucks so hard at the beginning. It's yeah. hard to, <laughs> it's hard to not be sympathetic with his position. Right. Exactly. Um, it's just, it's nice at the end that we don't have to worry too much about like, oh, now the dad's going to do whatever. Do Does he have to like do a whole like villain redemption arc? Like, no, because he wasn't really bad to begin with. <laughs> yeah, though, I think that uh, my my biggest gripe with this movie is the villains. Mm-hmm. I think that Same. I think yeah. that it's, yeah. it's entirely horribly lacking in interesting villains. And I think the actors, they got to do the two villains that we have just really do nothing interesting. Uh, of course, we'll get there. But I, I yeah. wish that in almost I, I almost wish they had gone a little tropier tropier, I guess, is the word uh, with it, because it would have given us a stronger villain, maybe even if it would They're have been cartoonishly off- evil without a cartoonishly big plot to do. Yeah, I think might be how mm-hmm. I put it. They're, they just mm-hmm. they're really big jerks with absolutely no goals. So in the in the interest of, of having a little more context to talk about them, uh, like we say, the the main character, Jasper, gets sent away like this is sort of this is the ultimatum that that uh, drives his his plot. And like the the sort of big twist or, or turn at the end with the villains is that he has to become a real postman and start a new post office in this far flung town off in the Arctic called Smearinsburg. And yeah. Within the next year, he has to deliver 6,000 letters. Otherwise, he's essentially going to get excommunicated from the family and not have access to any of the money or, you know, he just won't be a part of the family anymore because they're just he's just done with him. His dad's like, I've tried a lot. No, this is it. And so he kicks him out. He sends him off to Smearinsburg and he says, maybe he'll thank me someday. And then the rest of the movie we spend in, in Smearinsburg. So yeah. what I what I did like about this about this plot it is that with a character like Jesper, oftentimes you spend the whole first act kind of setting up contrivances just for them to not do nothing the whole movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of so awfully obsessed with money that just the threat of losing money later was enough to get him to be an active participant in the story without <laughs> yeah. a bunch of... Without a bunch mm-hmm. of higgledy-piggledy in the way. Please, my family's dying or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the call to adventure is pretty clear. It worked. Right away, right away, he is he has clear motivations and is motivated enough to act in the interest of those of, uh, yeah, in the interest of those motivations. Yeah. Um, the other thing I really enjoy about this setup, too, is the fact that Smearinsburg is not just called the North Pole. Like, this is just a place with its own character and a yeah. really interesting design. And I just I really love um, I felt this a lot with this movie that had really interesting design choices in places where it wasn't necessary. I mean, you know, I would say it was, you know, it all is necessary to make a great movie, but there were just cool things about the town or, or or about maybe like the old schoolhouse that's now been converted to a fish mongers like, like butchery play, you know like it's just that didn't have to be there um there didn't have to be like fish jokes inside of an old schoolhouse could have just been a shitty old schoolhouse right yeah 
but but and, by choosing to do these cool things like it, it really added so much texture to the movie i it made me think of i don't know if you guys have seen cloudy with a chance at meatballs yeah um it made me think of like that town uh which i think is called swallow falls in cloudy with a chance at meatballs which is like you know one industry town about like you know tinned sardines you know this sort of like sad fishing village but like it's got a much darker and I don't necessarily like this phrase but it's a Tim Burtonier version <laughs> mm-hmm. of that town yeah. right like everything sucks here yeah this is Halloween town and the people are terrible and it probably smells a lot like fish and then when you when you go there on the boat you pass like this giant hanging like whale bone like like the skeleton of a <laughs> whale like it's yeah. really it's really spooky and terrible and everyone there sucks and they have this Hatsfield and Hatfield and McCoy like feud going on that's like apparently lasted since the stone age yeah so our boy Jesper comes into the middle of town after you know just seeing the creepiest shit the really funny sight gags, you know, creepy kids that are like stabbing a snowman <laughs> with carrots <laughs> yeah he's like, like girl just knives. like Oh my god! It had that Tim Burton feel very early, but I think that was just that was just to kind of establish a little bit of tone. Uh, yeah. For the rest of the movie, it is not is not all Halloweeny, right? But the first twenty minutes are definitely like I was feeling around twenty four minutes in. I was like, I can see a child noping out of this movie before <laughs> before we get to really like the Santa reveal. Yeah. Um, I could see Where's a child Santa? like as soon as we get to like, you know, uh, roaches crawling out of a doll skull in Santa's yeah. work in Klaus's <laughs> workshop. I can definitely see kids like, Dad, I don't want to watch this movie anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, the hatchet man and like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, so it's kind of it's kind of bold to uh, to go dark before it gets a lot brighter. Yeah, I agree. And I like that. I like that a lot. For me, I liked it. <laughs> I, you know, I could see some parents that are like, well, I, my six-year-old cried. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so and I, I demand didn't... financial restitution. Um, mm-hmm. The main problem with this town, aside from it being terrible and the people in it being awful and the kids not being sent to school at all, there's no schooling happening. The school is empty. Like, there's a million problems. But the main problem for our our, uh, our hero is that they don't write letters. Uh, well, they have no they have no need to write they have no letters. one to send they, mail to. Yeah, right. I do want to mention the battle bell. I don't want to forget <laughs> about the battle bell in the middle of town. That's a hangman's news connected to a bell. And Jesper accidentally rings that bell and creates a just a mayhem. No, Norm MacDonald makes him pull it. He That's true. Him. Yes. The sea captain nor- played by Norm MacDonald makes him ring the, the battle bell. It just causes <laughs> Which hey, isn't it just uh, kind of weird to hear Norm Macdonald's voice in a kid's show? It's like, you can say, I guess you can say whatever now and just sort of bounce back and do a kid's movie. I had to kind of double check because I was sort of surprised that Norm Macdonald was in it. Uh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's one of the two pranks that happened to him that are very funny. Now, this one, I'll have to admit, I'm kind of a sucker for this. But when adults get bullied by children for things that aren't real things to be bullied about, there's this fat little kid who comes like cruising by on a sled is like, hey, hey, postman, and hits him with a snowball <laughs> and laughs about it. You, you yeah. loser. <laughs> I just love the fact that kids hate the mail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, I, I don't the, the, the battle bell just makes them all fight, which is ridiculous. Yeah. They, they fight until the bell rings again. Uh, but even 
even outside of the battle belt, the 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 adults in this town are just the most spiteful people that I've ever seen in an animated thing. Right. They're a force of nature. They're not real characters. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most important part. There's an incredible moment that I I it just stuck with me really hard where like he's he's watching he's trying to like talk to this old woman who's not listening to him and she like trots she's got a bucket and she just sort of trots out of her house and he's like hey do you want to mail a letter and she walks over to someone else's laundry hanging out to dry and she just slops fish guts on top of it and walks back into her house it's really funny (laughs) like yeah like this is just like casual pointed spite and i love it (laughs) <laughs> when you were talking about how dark the movie seems at first, uh, I had kind of forgotten because it, I was wrong. It was, but I, I think the movie does signal this. The postman has an encounter with a kid who's like up at the top of a window with bars on it. Yes. And it seems innocent enough, fun and fun. And it's like kind of for a gag. Uh, it wasn't until later when Klaus sees the picture that the kid has dropped. The postman picks it up, takes it to Klaus Klaus sees this picture and he sees this like a sad child and locked away in a tower. Yeah, it's like the yeah. kid has drawn himself. I thought this was like a much darker movie at that <laughs> at that moment. Yeah. Mm. They didn't really follow up on that. They which is good because that was I'm glad that they just let me think there's a chance this is a really bad place. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't want to watch the movie where it was. No. Right. But I mean, you know, that kid's dad definitely is a horror show. He's got like about 13,000 guns in his house and a, a bear trap filled lawn and like two really mad dogs. Yeah. And about 19 locks on the door. Yeah. Well, right. But again, the adults in this, the adults in this movie, besides Klaus, the ferryman and the school teacher are, are more like the, you know, uh, a storm than they are characters. Yeah. 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 General adult discontent. Yeah. Yeah. They're the, the they're the weather we're trying to read. We're, we're trying to shift it over the you know with with good deeds. But it doesn't right. it doesn't ever it doesn't ever like we the only time we really interact with the adults are is is kind of in montage. Sure, right. We, sure. we never spend any real time with them. Uh, we also get to meet Alva, uh, the uh, woman who is a school teacher or was wanted to be a school teacher, and yeah. so she is now a a fishmonger. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I don't really I don't I don't feel good about this note that I took necessarily. But w- the first time that she shows up on screen and she's yelling at him and like it's like really intense and she's slamming fish around. I just wrote, man, this fishmonger fucks. <laughs> she's hot. It's Rashida Jones. She does a great job. No, that's the thing. She's she's so great. That's that's what's wonderful is that she has. I was a, she's great. I was a little disappointed in her character model. Uh, it's not gro. It's not obscenely, uh, you know, overly attractive. It's just like everybody else in the movie is so dysmorphic and I weird know. looking. She's a little like she's yeah. She's a little. She's a. <laughs> I, I I will agree with that. She's a little too fuckable for the for the tone of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when we don't make our main guy like particularly traditionally attractive. Also, she. I would have liked to see her in more scenes. She is a little yeah, totally still light in the movie. Her presence and she kind of pops in. I th- thought until almost the end of the movie that she was at first i thought this is the proto woman for the proto hero blah 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 which is kind of what happens yeah uh, although they don't they don't linger on it it's it's really kind of a uh, after the movie's over that they kind of that they get together mm-hmm. which i love uh, which that which is fun i yeah. love that i thought that was a great way of not being not beating us over the head with it but for a while i thought she might wind up being mrs claus mm. and not with oh. not with jesper at all mm. interesting yeah, I was wondering about that, too. Uh, but yeah, but I think what's nice about it is like what you say, they don't beat you over the head with it. I think most of these Christmas movies and most to be 
honest, most movies that we make for kids in general have a uh, a strangely huge fascination with the romance plots with a, with a fuckable adult that the, that the yeah. man gets it's uh-huh. just so it's so weird like why On do the we courting have to, process i guess the, yeah the courting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're always worried about courting in these kids movies and i was really happy to see a movie that had romance in it but it wasn't like the focus that's not what the story's about and it's just sort of like yeah, we kind of got the idea that maybe they were into each other. And then later we see them cuddling. It's like we don't need to yeah. deal with this. Right. It was nice. I really I really appreciated that. That is nice. Well, it strikes a cool tone where like in the movie, they really it's really about them becoming friends and them learning to be better people because she's also kind of uh, hates her life mm-hmm. here in this town. Yeah. And when we meet when we sh- and it's really well, we don't know how long after the events of the movie, but they do not fall in love in the movie not in the way, not in a sex in the city kind of way. No. Yeah. Um, she's got her life savings stored inside of fish. <laughs> like a large, a large fish head that she opens up and reveals like a stash of, of coins that yeah. she wanted to use to get out of there. But, uh, and that's, up, that's the know. cool thing that they, that they have in common is that he's stuck here and he gets the feeling that she is stuck here because, you know, she took a post as a teacher out here and then nobody sends their kids to school. And she's like, what the hell is my life? And he's like, right. what the hell's my life? And like yeah. for most of this movie, I think at the back of his, his mind, he's like, I like this girl. And I think as soon as I get out of here, maybe she'll come with me because she's right. got this money saved up, you know, and that kind of comes into play later at the very end. But like, I, I think that I bought that as a as an angle for why they'd like connect. I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. Well, and he sends he sends the kids to school so they could learn to write to send letters. It's not a sort of overtly like I'm going to impress this girl so that she'll fuck me. Yeah, it's like so she'll fuck me. Totally. Yeah. Right. It's like no, I'm do- I'm still doing this. I'm still going to her because of my objective, which is yep. to leave. Yeah, um, let's get let's be clear about that. He, he like we said, he needs to send a bunch of letters and. Uh, this this thing we we already mentioned with the, the the kid that was locked in the house or whatever, and he drew a picture of himself. Uh, this this the plot really gets going because Jesper sees on his map like a house he's not he's never tried to go solicit mail from, and it's off in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> it ends up being Klaus's house. This uh, you know the person who becomes Santa Claus. It's this big hulking man, and when he goes to visit Klaus, uh, he's not there, but he goes inside, and his house is full of these spooky toys. Because this this big man is a toy maker, and as a result of this first meeting, he Klaus sees the picture the kid drew, and like immediately his heart goes out to him, and so he wants to bring him a toy. And the rest of the plot just cascades from this because the kid who gets the toy tells all the other kids in town that he got a toy because he wrote a letter to this guy named Klaus, essentially, right? Like you know, mm-hmm. hand wave a little bit there, and then they all start writing letters, and this is his like this is this is Jesper's meal ticket. This is how he's going to get all the letters he needs. Is he's going to use the kids, and he's going to like hoodwink these kids in like a drug montage of like, hey, you want a toy? <laughs> so here's yeah. here's something I loved <laughs> about the delivery of toys from Klaus in this movie was that. And every sort of, I don't know if medieval is the right word, but like historically set Santa origin movie, something that always seems heavily emphasized is the sort of economic value of of toys that he's bringing mm. these incredibly poor children toys, which is, is, is not worth nothing, but it doesn't make him magic. Yeah. Right. And bringing toys to children who are poor is great. Maybe bringing them. Anyway, these kids lives are clearly not awesome. But 
there's no mention of the fact that like there's nobody's going hungry in this town. Yeah. It, it, mm-hmm. And then his toy is cool and magical. It's not it's a lot of them also have him delivering just these like tin soldiers and rocking horses like pretty lame shit or right. the opposite of just like incredibly commercialized like yay Santa brought me presents. I don't know. I loved that his toys were dope because they were magical. They were he was a yeah. really really good toy maker. And they inspired yeah. these kids to want them. It was cool. Yeah, this isn't that 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 crazy action figure from Jingle All the Way that you know, gotta <laughs> run, run to Double the mall man. to get the last one. It just it just it it wasn't about commercialism or poverty. It was kind of something else. Yeah, I loved that. It's about I mean the whole sort of spirit of the film is is quoted a couple times, and the, the line of a true selfless act sparks another. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know it, that it really is less about the toy and more about like a radical act of kindness that yeah, sure is sort of what this town and then kind of what the world needed. Yeah, I do. It's I nice. do really appreciate that. Well, and not to mention, we know the phrase, the spirit of Christmas. I think everybody has their own interpretation of it. And this movie does not make, doesn't make it into a moral that you can turn into a bite-sized soundbite and say, it's like, you've got to interpret the spirit of Christmas. The thing yeah. is, this movie kind of doesn't give a shit about Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. About about the yeah. birth of Christ, our Lord Lord and Savior <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like this this the, the funny thing about this origin is that like the gift giving is and the kindness is happening not on Christmas and not even tied to Christmas explicitly until Jesper decides to do it as a PR move, basically. You know, <laughs> like, yeah, like he comes up with commercializing Christmas, like in the moment, like talking to Klaus, like, ooh, you know, it'd be dope as if we did this whole present thing. But on top of Christmas, which every people already love Christmas, let's just make it crazy. <laughs> yeah, which I think is kind of awesome um, yeah. <laughs> because it really is, you know, it separates the religious aspect. With the the kindness aspect, you know, that just like, hey, this is actually what people like about this this season, about like every child enjoys yeah. about this season is that feeling of like, hey, it was really cool that I got a thing right. and it makes me want to be nice to people. Uh, that feels like a good uh, halfway point. I think so. We should yeah. we should make a little moolah from a Christmas sponsor. I don't know. Do we have one of those? Yeah, I think we do. Hey, Rory. Yeah. Uh, so we've been having a really remember good that time song? here. Yeah, we've been having a great time um, watching the Austin, Christmas movie. do you remember movie. that song that I... That I... <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. 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 Rory, we've been having a really great time talking about Christmas stuff and having Christmas movies. Now, there's a new Christmas movie coming out soon that I'm really excited that I hope you can tell us about. New Christmas movie. It's coming out for Amazon Prime Video. Uh, and they got they got some top talent for this one. Can you tell us... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Rory, can you tell us about Danny DeVito and the Christmas Mouse? So the new Amazon movie, Danny DeVito and the Christmas Mouse, features our fun little our fun little man, the man who the man who got the man who grew half as tall and said and quit and, and, and called it quits. He finds a best friend. He finds a best friend. He finds a, uh, uh, he finds an uh, unlikely best friend in a funny little mouse named Christmas. <laughs> Him and Christmas, the mouse get into kind of all kinds of trouble. Uh, Jeff, they they work for Jeff at his at his tower, and uh, 
Because it's not so much... It's not so... Because the way that they make movies on Amazon at this point is a little bit different than, like, a normal studio. Jeff just takes you into his tower and you leave when the movie's done. Mm. So, Danny DeVito and his Christmas mouse walk around Jeff's... Walk around Jeff's tower, getting into trouble, really bothering the devs. Uh, <laughs> Danny DeVito puts his mouse on your desk and says, guess what time it is? Christmas. And then he waits for you to give him a present, and that's... <laughs> uh, that old prank. Uh, the other fun one he does is he... Uh, Danny DeVito will challenge you. He'll challenge you to an ar- to arm wrestling, of which is, I guess, I need to preface that further by saying he's very good at arm wrestling. And you oh, okay, 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 okay. And it's okay. very embarrassing. And the mouse, he taught the mouse to laugh at you. So that's. <laughs> Does he go into the Amazon balls and just sort of look up, and the camera pans back, and he goes, "I'm in balls." So he's in the tower, and he he doesn't get to leave the tower till the movie's done. Oh, they don't even let him in the balls. Until, like, Christmas, or is Christmas in it, or is just the mouse named Christmas, and that's sort of the... Well, the the fun thing about Amazon movies is you don't really know what's going to happen, because it's just, you're just locked in the tower until the movie's done, and whatever happens, happens. (laughs) (laughs) So it could be Christmas movie, I don't really know. At this point, it's just Danny DeVito doing mouse pranks in the tower. Hey, everybody, we're back here uh, from our sponsor. We're back to talking about Klaus. Um, Before we dive back into the plot, um, I did want to mention that we sort of glossed over was how much I love um, Jesper's shitty post office that he has (laughs) in (laughs) the town in Smearsburg, um, where it's just, you know, it's covered in chickens and snow everywhere. And (laughs) there is an outhouse that he has to run out to that is separated by a long plank, like a single like swaying plank yeah. <laughs> he has to like dart across like <laughs> naked to like get to the shitter and some uh, sort of elevated outhouse it's so weird yeah yeah it's just again some of that like really cool design just fun dynamic design choices that really indicate just how shitty this place is you know you you, you get why he doesn't want to be there it's this miserable. movie this movie has a couple really fun montages the one, or I guess I should say, this movie has a couple of montages. The one that I found really fun was where he's kind of like getting his rhythm of getting letters to Santa to presents, like getting the getting that sort of full cycle uh, happening. But they mm-hmm. kind of play it like a heist movie montage. Right? <laughs> yeah. 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 Because so so uh, the kid, the first kid, the proto kid who got his first frog toy, is playing in the street with another girl from the like. Hatfields, you know, from the other side, yeah. the other faction. Yes. And the parents are mortified. And, and then the like council, the two like opposite mayors. <laughs> yeah, because he's a he's a crumb and she's an Ellingbow. They're yeah. weird names. They were not memorable yeah. names. That's it's that's one Joan, thing. I, it's I, Joan Cusack and Will Sasso. Yeah, and they're not doing a great job. I just don't like Joan Cusack very much. Uh, I like Joan Cusack. I do I think- too. Uh, and you can shut up. But also, like we said, they are. <laughs> I've been outvoted. My opinion's been, been outvoted. outvoted. We're a Joan if Cusack. We're, if we're gonna, here. if we're gonna have to talk about voice acting, you can at least not be such a boob about it. <laughs> 
Joan is awesome. But like I said, remember that these characters aren't characters in the movie the same way our other all the outsiders are. Yeah, they're not fleshed out super well because, yeah, they are really just kind of a mob. I think we want to mention the new the sort of late addition to the to the to the character roster is this little foreign girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's really cool. She shows up at the post office sometime around the first act. And uh, Jesper is not yet uh, such a great dude. And he, she doesn't know how to speak English, so he simply <laughs> turns her away. What's wrong with her mouth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's a Sami. Yeah, which Sami. Which is like, uh, they're, they're indigenous people to Norway and Sweden and that sort of area. Um, and I... I don't, I'm interested to hear what you guys think. So, so mm-hmm. something, something that this movie does is that in trying to explain Santa's elves, they made it. It sort Dasami. of implies they're foreigners. Yeah. The indigenous and folks, depending on, I didn't know that they were supposed to be indigenous. Undocumented labor. Yeah. And they, and they didn't do it in a shitty way necessarily because it was, right. it was sort of wrapped up in that like kindness begets more kindness thing. Right. Because in, in a critical moment, as things are getting more and more serious, Jesper sort of decides to really connect with this girl he's sort of been ignoring for a little bit and he takes her to the school teacher and they try and make an effort to translate what she's saying into English and find out what she wants from Klaus and they build it for her and it is a dope sled with a sail on it it's <laughs> like real really cool and they take it to her and it's sort of like this big thank you for doing so like her whole sort of village comes back and helps build Klaus his workshop so that they can make mm-hmm. more toys and I like that angle, but it's it's a little don't you don't you didn't you immediately have kind of a weird reaction to like oh, I, the I, elves are are natives. I did, did <laughs> but I think an important thing to remember is how many interpretations, especially in Europe, where it's a little closer to the you know original myth. Yeah, I, I don't mm-hmm. know that the Santa's workshop being run by magical elves is by the lollipop guild by the lollipop guild is is, <laughs> in, is doctrine <laughs> I know yeah. that's a really that's a really us thing over here in, in yeah the, and they the they also i guess the director like they worked with sami uh reindeer herders and like yes. reindeer herding is like their way of life and everything and so like it makes sense for the sami to be sort of tied to tied to this mythos yeah, um, it, it's a cool idea I, I i agree and they got a, a real sami girl to do the voice of of margu and it, she's adorable. And I, I think mm-hmm. she's one of, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm saying it because I had like an initial reaction of like, this is a little weird. Is this where they're going? But she is like probably the part that made my heart melt the most. Mm-hmm. Is this girl? Well, it's funny too, because like now it's like, we're the assholes for thinking they were elves, you know, like, oh, you thought they were elves or just like <laughs> legit people. Like now you're the asshole. <laughs> I agree with that division completely. <laughs> I flipped it on you. I flipped you. Yeah. Because that was the thing I wanted to mention was some of these, uh, some of the the myth of of Santa Claus does sort of spawn from the the pigeon experiment where they taught they taught religion to pigeons. Mm, interesting. Okay. Uh, it, it's the idea, or they taught superstition anyway to pigeons. The idea that uh, when when food is delivered on time, pigeons get it, and when food is not delivered on time, pigeons get it. When food is delivered randomly. The pigeons just don't fucking understand the correlation between the causality. And so they develop all these weird superstitions. 
based on the things they were doing when the when the food came. When the food showed up. Yeah. When the food showed up. <laughs> and some of that is is in here. They're like uh some of the Santa stuff, the kids are are spreading rumors based on nothing. Yeah. It's just they with their kind of idea this man must be magical. Yeah. Yeah, this we is don't what we see have to him. explain it. Yeah. And I love the um the really like garage uh effort of Klaus and Jesper trying to sort of make Christmas happen before it exists. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a yeah. really strong moment in that like the two guys just like ducking behind a snowdrift to see the girl like open the present in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just to see them, the two of them like in the thick of it. Um just it's kind of cool. figuring this out and doing it because they like it and not because it's Christmas. It's not like we've got to save Christmas. It's like, no, it's we're like just... two guys decided giving is dope. Yeah. Yeah. And getting into this project, the cycle of kindness is really fun to see. Uh, one of the fun montages is like, yeah, the kids are playing and then like they're nice to because now they know about the naughty list because Jesper's made up the lie about the naughty and nice list. Yes. Uh, and so that <laughs> to get out of being beaten up by a child bully. Yeah. <laughs> and so oh, God. so the kids are being nice. And so now they're like, you know, picking berries for a woman. And then the woman got the berries and then she made jam and then she's angry and she like grumpily gives jam to the woman she doesn't like. <laughs> and then that <laughs> and then woman the like makes a cake back and is like, here you go. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny like they're they're going through the motions of of gratefulness whilst just really still being in the emotional place of the battle bell (laughs) yeah yeah totally (laughs) totally until they sort of for real just become openly nice to each other yeah and the creepy kids that are stabbing the snowman they start stabbing the snowman with the carrot knife but you know in the spot where the nose goes like it's better (laughs) (laughs) right progress yeah uh I want to talk about class. We haven't really focused much on class. Yeah, totally. he's, he's, an, he's an interesting man. Uh, and he's one that's full of, uh, you know, sad tragedy in the way only J.K. Simmons uh, can do. Mm. And he's got a lot of baggage. He's got a house, an empty, sad house full of toys um, that, as we find out later, when the two main characters get close, is that he made these toys as him and his wife were trying to get pregnant. And he just kept making toys for the kids that they thought they were going to have. And they never had kids. And that's yeah. so sad. <laughs> it's so fucking sad. Uh, God. Yeah. And so the house was full of toys. And so slowly over over time when they're doing this kind of proto Christmas for the kids that are able to write letters and spread the myth um, and delivering them kind of like day of like on demand. Um, he's just using up his stores of <laughs> toys that he made in his house until he's basically out of out of toys and he doesn't want to make them anymore. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of when, you know, Jesper sort of finds out that not only did he not was not able to have kids, his wife got sick and died like Mrs. Claus, you know, died. Yeah. And so, you know, that's kind of, you know, that's a low point for them. And it's that's grim, man. I know. It's, uh, I really I really dug it. I think that the, the interactions between Klaus and Jesper, they're what they really made the movie for me. And. I think the moment the moment that hit me the hardest uh, later on, Jesper's really trying to get him to, you know, still kind of selfishly. He's like, I don't I want this this to end like I still need more letters. Right. And so he's like trying to get him to make more toys. And he ends up sort of unearthing this uh, 
I, I don't know what you want to call it, like a like a mural or something. Like that a little diorama. Yeah, of like sort of the family they'd planned to have together and sort of like, you know, he gets yelled at. He's like, get the fuck out of my house, right? And Santa doesn't say fuck. Santa does not say fuck. I'm so sorry. But Jesper goes back to his office and he has the kid's letter because he, you know, this is when he finally got the the, the Sami girl, Margu. He, he finally found out what she wanted. And Jesper falls asleep trying to build the toy himself. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And Klaus yeah. shows up. And sees him with this letter and the drawing or whatever from the kid and this shittily made, like, terrible wooden sled that he's been trying to build and, like, just quietly starts making it himself. And, like, Jesper wakes up and tries to talk to him and he's like, no, no, no. And they just keep working in silence and they build this toy. And it is, I don't know, this affected me a lot. It was effective. Really good. It was really good. It made me cry. Yeah, I I cried a lot, actually, several (laughs) times. Uh, just, and I was really surprised uh, by that, but I was yeah. just in a mood where I was like, the kindness <laughs> is so important. And it's like everybody's like spreading kindness. And it's so good. And uh, I guess that's that's why it was such a bummer when we had to keep cutting back to the like two heads of the feud. As yeah. They, like, yeah. You know, have these like stupid, like, like half assed gestures toward an evil plan. It's like, I don't yeah. care. I don't uh-huh. care. They they did have they did have some fun lines. There was a line I I appreciated where before they form a truce because they do form a truce at some point, which was you mm-hmm. know before unthinkable. But they form a truce in order to take down uh, Klaus and Jasper, who are just turning everybody into nice people, and <laughs> they get ambushed. And each side has like one has a boulder and the other is a giant log, and they're trying to roll them down a ravine to like block them. Your ambush. This is our ambush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like they both. This is our ambush. ambush. <laughs> it's really funny. I think yeah. So I, I've been saying it a lot, but I, I, with these characters, there's there's some like kind of profoundly interesting themes. They're ju- it's just the scenes aren't good. So like, I think there's a lot you could you could kind of English 101 out of these two villains <laughs> who who form a truce in order to sort of destroy a chance at goodness taking over. Yeah. Right. It's just not interesting. Like, but when you make them, when they're personified, when they're people, I didn't believe it at all. They were like, let's be friends so that we can fight later when the good guys are gone. It just, yeah, the plot logic wasn't there, even though Uh the terribleness of the terribleness of man kind of, I am not surprised. Right. Right. I think the only way that they could have made it work is if they'd actually doubled down on them being terrible rather than them being the kind of terrible you can laugh at. I think so. I think they should have been incredibly symbolically uh-huh. obvious. Like yeah. they almost they almost get there. Like there's that scene we talked about where it's the sort of like, you know, Romeo and Juliet moment where the two kids were playing with each other. They separately get scolded by the heads of their families like by sort of going back, you know, they have like all these these relics and stories about all the ways the other family has slighted them over the years. And they're like going right. down and they're they have they have a couple really like potentially interesting lines where, uh, you know, they say something like, Now, I just know you didn't mean to disrespect all of that heritage. Right. Right. And it won't happen again. Will it? There's a there's a cool thread that they could have tugged harder about, like, children undoing their parents' prejudices. Um, well, conservatives mm. are the bad guys, and I can never be that upset with that line. With that. True. Line. <laughs> <laughs> I 
and so progressives like, are good and conservatives are bad and that's yeah it's fine yeah i'm okay with that and so <laughs> but it's it's it just i feel like they the only way that they could have made this better is if is if they had gone harder into that but i think it also would have made it a darker movie yeah i think part of the weird thing too is that the whole rest of the town like came around pretty quickly yeah you know and so like all of the other adults are just like chill and cool for the rest you know from you know 45 minutes on to the end of the movie and so you've kind of gutted some of the some of the strength of the opposition when it's just like four people yeah there's nothing left with the fox news the rupert murdochs are the only ones left (laughs) right (laughs) right Uh, but but you know if if instead of trying to just like directly get rid of jesper and klaus if they had kind of tried to mobilize the rest of the town again yeah. you know maybe maybe that would have been more effective i think so i think you're totally right they should have tried to recede the feud rather than take the fight to jesper that's right. actually totally even awful. bring the battle bell yeah. back because it kind of went away yeah it's mm-hmm. a fun concept and it kind of disappeared and as it is like in the last i want to say in like still within the last like five or ten minutes of the movie like we're sort of showing Jesper like, no, you can't, you know, you can't leave. Like, look at the effect you've had. They go out and it's like, you know, some sort of magical, wonderful Christmas happening in the town square. Like, it just serves to underpin that whole thing. Like, most of the town is chill now. It's like 10 people who are your who are the bad guys. Yeah. Like, it's the it's this small group. And yeah, yeah. it just feels it feels a little it's the power. It's the establishment. But again, they didn't linger on that mm-hmm. uh, political or symbolic point. So they just feel no. like plot villains. They feel like general storybook villains who both have giant children. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and monster children. Yeah. Um, the interesting, well, interesting to us and discussion-wise that they actually choose to do as their late-game plot is they go into the postman's office and they see his six-thousand-letter goal, his bar chart that he's been filling up and he's fell yeah. short of, and kind of realized uh, gradually that he didn't want to do anymore because he was hooking up with Alva and having a great time and realized the like kindness and had this Christmas thing going on. And, you know, he's, he's fully come around really on not wanting to leave and, and, and he's enjoying this life. And so the, the bad townspeople walk in and see this, this thing that he was a plan for and like, Oh, we're going to make it come true. So we're going to write a bunch of extra letters so that he fulfills his goal and surpasses his goal. And then we're going to tell on daddy. Yeah. And then dad finds out. And dad's going to turn him back into a human from a llama. Um, (laughs) Yeah. The dad, the dad shows up sort of in the, in the, the climax, the very like the, the, the big stuff at the end here when the, when the, we're supposed to take these villains seriously and they kind of like reveal their, their mustache twirling plan. And he shows up and it's sort of outed in front of everyone the uh, Alva and Klaus and all the Sami that like, well, I mean, presuming they spoke enough English to understand what was going on, that he was doing all of this for selfish reasons. And everyone is really uh, ashamed of him. Like, it's so, really bad. Emotionally, I was pretty affected by that scene. Mm-hmm. Logically, I was a little annoyed because I felt like it was it was not spoken. You know, his grand, his grand plan, his grand self-interest. But he clearly sucked at the beginning, and Klaus knew that. Yeah, Klaus had to dragon kicking and screaming to do the to do a lot of this. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't really get why they were so. And I didn't. Not only did I not get that they were surprised about his motivations from the beginning, mm-hmm. I didn't believe they hadn't noticed he'd changed. I know that was that's, part of yeah. what was most annoying. Uh-huh. 
that they that they just kind of they should be proud of him for becoming a better person, not like upset they found out that like a year ago he was shitty. Like, yeah, right. right. You know, and and it seems like that's not who I am anymore. It would would sway me. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it you would. Know? Although I also kind of see, on the other hand, I do see that Alva spending all of her money based on kind of something yeah. that he. I believed they're hurt. I just yeah. I was a little bit. I would have liked to see a little more lip service to the nuance of that moment. Sure. Yeah. You know, it felt like it kind of just needed to make things happen. And they were like, fuck it. (laughs) So he goes off with his dad about to sail home. And it it really wasn't till this point that we don't know his dad isn't that sort of hard nosed, pick yourself up by the bootstrap kind of billionaire. The kind of dad... The sort of like cold, uh, unloving mm-hmm. father. You can kind of you can sympathize with the rich boy a little yeah. bit, right? But yeah. we find out his dad is not like that. It was sort of Jesper's own awfulness that <laughs> that spawned his <laughs> spawned how he is, and his dad yeah. was yeah. like really compassionate and helpful. Yeah, yeah. and I, I do kind of wish we had actually seen that scene happen. I know they we sacrifice that for a sort of one line surprise for a reveal for a yeah for a, a reveal that isn't I, I would say isn't worth it I would I actually would have liked because you know that. he was gonna stay yeah yeah, I mean, yeah you know he's gonna stay the movie's clearly not over this section like everything from the like oh the the shitty bad guys reveal their plan and oh he's out in front of everyone and oh is he gonna leave and oh he's re- he revealed himself he didn't leave after all it really is paint by numbers like the the thing the, that worked for me though was that. Jesper thought his dad was that awful kind of yes. billionaire, hardline yeah. kind of guy. Uh-huh. And it, it wasn't until he became a better person that he realized his dad was always trying to help him. That <laughs> yeah, was really so pretty powerful. I just I just want to play out that moment, though, because so the boat leaves and the little Sami girl sees the boat leave. Yeah. And then Jesper's sitting there on the dock and he actually didn't leave. Ah, oh, looks like I missed my boat. And he's like, yeah, I just basically told my dad that I really wanted to stay. <laughs> and he like was super proud of me <laughs> and let me stay. <laughs> which you know i mean is is a fun reveal but yeah i mean i think we could have seen that but he does uh, the, what what saved the moment for me was that like the first thing after like he explains what happened you know he's talking to margo and he's like wow you're a really good listener i mean i think he said that earlier but like the, the the sentiment is still there like she's just she's just listening she probably can't understand him at all but the the thing he says after that he sees he's like <laughs> anyways like anybody can get off a boat the real trick is going to be convincing Klaus and Alva to give me. And I was like, actually, mm. like that. That's a cool sentiment. Like you yeah. didn't do the hard thing just now. Uh-huh. <laughs> like this, he hasn't. This... Yeah. <laughs> we shouldn't clap for him. <laughs> the next part leading into it is, is he comes to sort of save the day and it lines. It winds up being a sort of kind of paint by numbers. Like you mentioned, action mm-hmm. nonsense. There, there are two fun little, little lines in there in the, at the end of the nonsense after Jesper comes to say, so I guess we have, we've skipped ahead a little bit. The the bad guys, now that they've gotten rid of Jesper, go to Klaus's to make sure he doesn't ruin Christmas with his charity. <laughs> uh, and and that is where Jesper comes to save the day, to, to abscond with the presents before they have a chance to destroy them. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, rescues the presents and drives away. At the very end of that fight, of that chase scene, when the all hope is seemingly lost, the reveal is that... Uh, the sleigh had been filled the whole time with nothing but firewood. Um, yeah, all yeah. The, so all the presents that fell out of the, ripped out of the bag after this, like, 
long sled chase. Which talk about a, like a really cool. Here comes some English one on one points. Really, that really cool Chekhov's gun where we see so many scenes of Klaus chopping wood for no reason. Yeah, mm-hmm. no kidding. <laughs> Yeah, and at the end, this giant bundle that we thought was full of toys was just firewood. Yeah, Chekhov's wood. Chekhov's wood. <laughs> uh, that twist didn't surprise me. I just I was a little surprised how much foreshadowing went into it. That was kind of cool yeah. that I didn't yeah. get. Mm-hmm. Um, but here's where it became cool: was that before Jesper even showed up, uh, not only did I like that uh, Alva mentions that uh, you know she's children talk they they learned about this this evil plot of the of the adults from the kids and i i just thought it worked it just played really yeah. well to me yeah um yeah cuz kids listen to their parents and their parents are plotting an evil mom yeah the fact like, that the, <laughs> the fact that this, there's just the that the story of the movie goes into these homes just i yeah. don't know i i liked it i liked that they took the time to kind of take build this city up Mm-hmm. And it's a natural way to sort of keep Alva involved in the, you know, and in the finale of the movie that she was still a little light on. But, uh, yeah. you know, it's definitely a way to to keep her. Well, because her in there. Yeah, that's the one thing that makes it unfortunate that they got married is there's that kind of like unearned unearnedness of it, because the romance, the the romance of the movie is Klaus and Jesper, not really Jesper yeah. and Alva. Agreed. Right. right. I ship them like crazy. <laughs> a twink and a daddy. Yeah. So okay, so we the, the the ending the ending here is that obviously everything's okay. They get the presents to the kids. Everybody's happy. Blah blah blah. blah. They get married in sort of like this. Where are they now? Montage sequence. I liked the passage of time. It was really fun seeing Margu as yeah. a young adult. Yeah, Margu mm. is like a teen. That was fun. And we see that that uh, that Jesper and Alva have kids of their own. He does kind of ruin it a little bit. They have a line that they wrote where he sort of, you know, basically winks at the camera and goes, what'd you expect? Of course she loved me. Uh, I know. Which kind of yeah. which kind of soured me a little bit. I was uh-huh. like, just, just let them be together. Shut the fuck up. Right. Stop. Yeah. But we, we've we, a couple times through this movie, we've sort of seen uh, a manifestation of Klaus's uh, dead wife as sort of like a, a phenomenon. Of, of like, just like, yeah, yeah, swirling wind and swirling yeah, it's, wind. It's and nice. It's, it's kind of cool. She sort of like signals him that Jesper is, uh, you know, worth his time by like swirling behind him while he's trying to convince him about like the letters and stuff. Yeah, but it's a great way of, again, having the movie be magical in just a really little way. Yeah. yeah. And so when we see the passage of time. There's no wizards. Yeah. No, no <laughs> wizards. But Klaus is old now, and it's sort of like this is his time. And in a weird way, he goes this off is like to the meet only Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the only magic we see in the movie. He doesn't die. There's not like a body that's left behind. He dies sort of like into myth. Like he walks off, uh, sort of following the breeze. That's like I'm coming, you know, yeah. With, yeah. to his wife. Yeah. And he walks off into legend and becomes Santa Claus. And so like the last thing we see is that like you know Christmas continues. Like the gift giving continues. Santa continues, and uh, the last line of the movie is is Jesper sort of being like, you know, I don't, what after what happened after that? I don't know why. I don't know what happened. I can't begin to comprehend it. But what I do know is that once a year I get to see my friend, and he's like looking oh, out the window and like, ugh. He sets the milk and cookies it's, out. It's oh. very affecting. Um, <laughs> and I, I think more than that, you know, I mentioned before, kind of how they just sort of 
let you get your own idea about the spirit of Christmas. Yeah. A thing that I think is very typical is Christmas being sort of treated as this sort of, or, or, or the existence of Santa as this big lie and this big, not that there can't be a reason, the thought of the lie is worth nothing, right? But it's treated as a lie. It's treated as as a thing parents lie to their kids about for fun, for them for the kids <laughs> yeah. to have fun. Yeah, to cover up all the money they spent on uh, <laughs> their Legos. Yeah. And I think if I had to, if I had to guess, I kind of, it seemed like the point of the movie was like, it's our turn to, it's our turn to, to carry, you know, carry the toys for a little while. He started it and we're carrying it now and they'll carry Mm -hmm. it late, you know, when we're gone. And that was cool. Uh, and as we always want to do at the end of an episode, we're going to do a wrap up, a real Christmas present wrap up. If you kind of, do you guys kind of get what I'm doing on that? Ooh, do I? I'm, that's a good, I'm, that's I'm, good synergy. That's good joke synergy. Yeah, I've got a present <laughs> and the president has us, us talking for another minute or two and I'm wrapping it up with this transition. So go. I I had a ton of fun with this. Um, I definitely imagine I'll watch this again. Probably. Oh yeah. This really feels like a movie you could, you could watch every year if I don't have a mo- a Christmas movie. And I don't yeah. either. Usually for me, it's Muppet Christmas Carol, but uh, I can see throwing this in the mix. I can see throwing this in the mix to unseat yeah. those 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 creepy animals with hands up their butts. Okay, you know you don't have to <laughs> put your coal in my stocking. <laughs> I like the Muppets. I like the Muppets. That's just not my favorite Muppet movie. Um, sure. But I do like this movie a lot. I'm going to watch it again. Uh, I would recommend this to like anybody. Honestly, it's so much yeah. fun. This feels like a movie you're kind of like, regardless of whether you want to have kids ever, you're kind of like, this is what I would show my kids. I wouldn't show them yeah. Tim Allen. I'd show them. <laughs> the, the, yeah. <laughs> the Tim Allen Christmas experience. <laughs> I wouldn't give him uh, the, the Schwarzenegger Christmas movie i this is one that would be like i would show if i if there was a kid i wanted to learn about yeah being a good nice person and getting present it's a good movie yeah i just i love the the way they really just kind of break down everything about santa and just yeah. make it make it fresh and really also you know i love that good spooky eastern european folktale kind of stuff you know, just sort of reintroducing everything and having them kind of like Christmas cr- get having Christmas as this like janky project they're trying to get off the ground <laughs> is, is is such a cool idea um, that that is so divorced from the the reverence I think the unearned reverence that sure. a lot of the sort of hallmark movies and the the just just the really overly like but it's Christmas come on do it for Christmas and it's like nah fuck that. Do it because it feels good. Because <laughs> kids living in cages should have a present. Like, you know. That's a radical thought, Austin. Do you guys, have I told you guys about, there's a quote from the guy who wrote Die Hard, uh, the book, uh, Roderick Thorpe. Mm. I've never been able to mm-hmm. find the exact quote, but he's, people ask him, you know, like, you know, is Die Hard a Christmas movie, all that. And the sort of answer is it isn't, it isn't. He intentionally writes these books. He writes a lot of books that are like over the holidays. Because mm-hmm. there is an inherent charge to the setting that earned or unearned just adds context and texture to every interaction. Yeah. 
And that's what yeah. this is. Just by being a quote-unquote Christmas movie, even without being that hard of a Christmas movie, yeah. is adds more than just we bring what we know about Christmas to it. We bring what we know about Christmas movies to it. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really cool. It, it's just a, it just adds a little more electricity into the, into the mix. Well, hey, we watched a movie here on Saturday Morning Tuesdays. We did. We really did. And I think that it worked out really well. I really liked uh-huh. this. I liked doing it. I liked the process of trying to talk about an hour and a half's worth of content in a normal yeah. episode length. <laughs> yeah. I think we did okay. Uh, I'd like to do this again at some point. Uh, Definitely. But, yeah. I mean, it's the Christmas season. We don't even need a laugh line. We can go out on an awe line. Who's got a nice awe line? Uh, kiss, kiss a family member. Kiss them once for me. Kiss kiss them once for me. Don't go over the top. Just kiss them once for me. Uh, Well, hey, everybody. Uh, Thanks so much uh, for listening to our cool Christmas movie episode. Uh, So this is actually the end of our season three. Uh, it's yeah. been a wild year. It's been pretty fun. We've done a lot of cool stuff and uh, we're excited to keep exploring format and messing around with new stuff uh, when we go into season four. So we are not releasing next week, but yeah, we will come back. Yeah, because we don't think back. anyone's going to listen to our podcast on Christmas Eve. I, I just don't you're, feel like you're too busy. You're too busy kissing everyone in your family. You've got to kiss them all. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we'll be coming back and we'll be starting up with uh, some new stuff, which I'm pretty excited about. Uh, don't forget, everybody, uh, if you enjoy the show, we've got a Patreon now. We know it's the holidays and your pocket might be a little thin, but yeah. uh, that's why we chose not to go too hard on it for December. If, yeah, we're doing, we're doing the, a secret, the secret launch here. It's in the, the secret in the launch. We're t- if, if now's not the time for you to give us $5, then uh, nobody nobody's going to be mad at you until January. So you've got that to look forward to. <laughs> January would be so peeved. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so no, no, uh, I can't say see you next Tuesday because next Tuesday is Christmas Eve. So enjoy next Tuesday. We'll see you in two Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs>